The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! I made a huge difference. Not talking about the trans community, not talking about any of that kind of stuff. As far as people that are struggling with their identity, okay? A huge impact. I mean, I've gotten so many letters over the years. Kids, you know, suicide, nine times higher than the general public in the community. That said, I was going to commit suicide. But when I was watching and seeing what you're doing, you know what? If you're that strong, I can be that strong. And so letters like, I mean, I got so many of those and still get them over the years. And I feel like my greatest contribution that I can make is just being out there. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. We have a guest for you today. The Caitlyn Jenner is on the show. And I just have to say that she was one of the warmest, kindest, coolest celebrities that I have ever met. She came in with no big PR team, no fluff, was totally down to earth, totally herself. And she was very, very open and just cool. And we sat with her for a while. We sat for a long time. And this this conversation goes all over the place. It's a wide-ranging conversation. Really, really enjoyed our time with Kaylin. Obviously, an extremely fascinating story, an extraordinary life. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Just to pimp Caitlin out, Caitlin Marie Jenner is an American television personality and retired Olympic gold medal winning athlete. Jenner has a huge established career in television, film, writing, auto racing business, and also was on the cover of Playgirl. I found that out. She's also an author. Her book, I read it. It's amazing. You guys have to check it out. Obviously, you know her from the reality TV series, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She was on it for years and years. She has six children, many which are well-known. And she also did a series called I Am Kate, which focused on her gender transition. Caitlin has been called the most famous transgender woman in the world. Obviously, we all saw her on the cover of Vogue. That was so fucking cool. And I could not be more excited to introduce you to the Caitlyn Jenner. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. I loved your book. You know what? It's something that I'm extremely proud of. It was a little over two years of talking, 8,000 pages of memoirs. Holy shit. And Buzz and I, Bissinger, and Buzz is a phenomenal writer and crazy. Absolutely. He's more crazy than I am. I kept telling him, Buzz, you have more issues than I have, okay? <laughs> but he's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer, and the two of us just hit it off from the beginning. He's actually the guy that wrote the Vanity Fair article. Ah. That's how I met him. Okay. And so he was with me before, I mean, before anything, before I transitioned, this and that. He was around in the old Bruce years just because of the Vanity Fair article. And he was, Buzz was shocked that you're going to do What? And Buzz is crazy. He's he's outwardly crossdresser. This he's he's into all of this crazy stuff. So he was with me through the whole process, and that was the Vanity Fair article. And then when I decided after after that, and I you know I wanted to do a book on it, 
because for so many years I never could talk about these issues. Yeah. So you keep all these things quiet, especially growing up for me. At a very young age, you never talk about this stuff. Well, the generations have changed so much. What's taboo 10, 20, 30, yeah. 40, 50 years ago is now it's it's not taboo. In fact, it's looked, people like it when you're yourself. Yeah. Well, honestly, my victory in life is just waking up in the morning and just being yourself all day. Yes. And, yes, first, and that's hard to do. It's hard. Do you know how much energy it takes <laughs> to live my life in the old days. I can't imagine. Oh, it's not like you just man. had some like kind of subtle, boring life either. Yeah, like, you, yeah. You, you had one of the... Well, yeah. Like you could not get more famous. Right. And so I imagine it wasn't It wasn't just like, can you live your life? It was like also living a very extraordinary life in the public eye. Yes. As you, if you read the book, right after the games were over with that night. I mean, you were on my uh, fucking The next morning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did all that stuff. And that next morning I woke up, I was in a hotel room and I went into the bathroom and the medal was sitting, gold medal sitting there on the bathroom counter. And I put it on, looked in the mirror, not a stitch of clothes on and looked at it and says, what the hell did I just do? Did I build this character up so much that I'm stuck with him for the rest of my life? Is he so big now that I'm stuck with him? Because there's so much more to my story than that. And it was kind of depressing. And I really had to deal with that over the next couple of days. But then, like so many things, you just find, I call them distractions in life. They're not. They're just like going on in life. Because I called my kids being a parent and a father and this and that was, for me, was like this distraction from my son. And so my kids go, oh my God, you mean that's all we were is a distraction? And I go, no, 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 no. You were the best part of my life by far. I said, but for, my, for me, it was a distraction uh, from who I was. Yeah, it's just, I mean, and after the, like after the games, I just, I got into working and eventually starting families and dealing with my issues on my own secretively. I had my little ways to escape. I, I did it totally. I mean, I never exposed myself to any, I never talked to anybody about it. Besides, there was Very a, unselfish. A yeah, because I didn't want anything to, uh, if actually, when I finally decided after many, many years, raising all my kids, amazing, amazing children, which I'm so extraordinarily, I mean, that's the greatest thing I've done in my life is my kids. If any one of them, because when I finally decided after everybody was raised, and here I was, 64 years old at the time, um, still dealing with the same issues I was dealing with at, you know, when I was 10 years old, I thought, you know what, my whole life, I've just been here for everybody else. Now it's kind of time for me to be here myself. And, and what am I going to do? So obviously I brought all the kids one at a time. I wouldn't want them to gang up on me. So I, I started with my son, Brandon. He was the first one because Brandon's a musician, great artist, sings, talented, talented, talented kid. I started with him. I thought he would be the easiest. And all the kids knew. They just didn't know the extent of it. They, they all knew. I mean, something. I had gotten caught a couple of times, this and that. And Brandon's mother, Linda, had talked to him about the issues, but it was like the little thing nobody talks about. So now I sat down with Brandon and his wife and I said, okay, this is what's going on. And Brandon said to me, he goes, dad, after an hour and a half talking, he goes, dad, you know what? 
I've always been so proud of you to, that you're my father, that if I go to the airport and they ask for ID and they see Brandon Jenner and they say, oh, is Bruce Jenner your dad? And he would, oh, well, yeah, yeah. She goes, they all would, all the people would always say, oh, he's always so nice when he comes in and we see him all the time and this and that. And he said, I was just always been very proud to be your son. And that you're my father. He says, but I've never been more proud of you than I am right now. What did that feel like after all? We cried. I mean, oh. it was just like, yeah, finally we talked about it. He's been, and, and pretty much every kid has their own reaction. But I always thought if one of them said, no, you can't do this, I probably wouldn't have done it. But nobody said that. You know? But that's also a tribute to amazing kids that you raised. So that probably makes you feel yeah. good. They're open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, they are open-minded. And they just want me to be happy. They're all grown up now. And they're adults pretty much at the time. They were still very young. I mean, Kendall and Kylie were the youngest. Uh, but they'd already started all their stuff, their lives. And actually, Kylie had not started the cosmetic company. Kendall was just getting started in the modeling world. But they weren't worried about any of that. They just wanted me to be happy. Said, will that make you happy? And I said, yeah. So I said, okay, I'm in. Hold up, we are going to talk about Palmer's. Palmer's, you know it, you've seen it everywhere. Palmer's has been caring for your skin since 1940, and it is America's number one cocoa butter brand. So the one that I like is the Cocoa Butter Formula Original Solid Jar, and this is gonna give you that 24-hour deep hydration all over. It heals, it softens, and it leaves your skin smooth and moisturized. Also, you should know that it's a super unique formula, and it melts into the skin on contact and locks the moisture in. So while I was pregnant, what I did was I would mix um, this cocoa butter with oil and put it all over my stomach. And I don't mean to brag, but one thing I didn't get from pregnancy was stretch marks. And I believe it's because I committed to that routine. This one is amazing. It's made with all natural cocoa butter and vitamin E. It's for all skin types. So normal, dry, even eczema-prone skin. It's multi-purpose. So a jar has 101 uses, you guys. So if you want to protect your tattoos, remove makeup, smooth cracked skin, heels, dry lips, whatever, they have like a whole full list on palmers.com slash jar 101. You can find Palmer's Original Solid in stores and online at Walmart, Target, Walgreens, CVS, or Amazon. From Palmer's, choose what's real. All right, let's get back to the show. When you were little, do you remember an epiphany where you had, where you looked in the mirror, where you had a dream or where something happened where you realized I am not in the right body and this is uncomfortable? I never felt the sense that I'm in the wrong body. Okay. I mean, a lot of people say that and that's kind of a little catchphrase. Oh, I was born in the wrong body. No, I was born with the wrong head. <laughs> I took my body and did everything I could with it. I was not embarrassed by it and this and that. And I look back on all of that as life goes on and you're looking back on your life. And I found sports in fifth grade. I was also a dyslexic kid. 
And so perceptually, I just had a hard time picking words up off a piece of paper. And that's the small problem. The big problem is self-confidence. You think you're not as smart as all the rest of the kids because that supposedly simple process doesn't just is not smooth for me. It doesn't work that way. But the bigger problem is lack of self-confidence. You know, I was afraid to go to school because I was afraid the teacher was going to make me read in front of the class. And other kids had no problem. They just kind of read right through me. I would kind of struggle with it and I'd get through it. You wouldn't do a very good job with it. And I didn't want anybody to know that. So I I really didn't like school. But then, so I lacked a lot of self-confidence. And also, you never talk about identity issues, (laughs) especially, you know, I grew up 50s, late 50s, early 60s in school. And there there wasn't even a name for it back there. So you just keep your mouth shut and move on. I, I did play around with my my mom or my sister's clothes or this or that when nobody was around. I was always fascinated by that, but taboo, you don't get caught. And your sister, your mom never said anything or were suspicious at all? She never did. I, my mom never knew to the day I told her. Wow. <laughs> when she was uh, 88, 89. She's 94 now. Yeah. Yeah. Still going. She had no idea. Yeah. Nobody did. My sister, my older sister, I had told her 30 years earlier, we were at dinner and I said, you know what? I want to talk to you about something, something I've been dealing with forever. And we talked about it and she was like in shock. I go, please, everything's fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Okay. And, and then we never really talked about it again after that until I decided I was going to do this. Did she just think it was like a phase? And I, maybe, but. It was just like, you don't talk about those things. Well, mm-hmm. I, I know they don't understand. And then when I told her, finally, I told her, you know what, I, I am doing this. She was like, oh my God, what are my girlfriends going to say? And my first thought was, I really don't care what your girlfriends are going to say. They'll be okay. I guarantee you, you'll be okay. And honestly, everybody through this whole thing, the whole family and everybody that's close, honestly, I'm a better person this way. I, I have less junk to deal with in life. And I can think I can be a more loving person, especially to people that are close to me. You know, you do change one set of issues (laughs) that you had growing up in most of your life. You trade that with another set of issues. And that's- What do you mean? What's the set of issues? There's a a total misunderstanding to people that are dealing with their gender identity. They don't get it. And I, I agree. I mean, I didn't get it. I didn't know why I felt this way. You know, I mean, I'm not blaming them for not getting it, but it's how can you go from the most masculine male as people think of you? Okay. It's not really me, but the, the perception is that Olympic champion, decathlon, athletics, good looking, great guy, and this and that. How do you throw all that male privilege away? How do you throw all that stuff to what people's perception of women is that they're a weaker, they're physically weaker, emotionally weaker, all these types of things. I don't believe that, but that's people's perception. And and, and you live it all the time. And how can you give all that away and become, quote, a weak female? First of all, I don't think any female is weak. I think 
females have so much over guys. Yeah, my husband can be a real pussy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you made him that way. Man. Hey, I'm, I'm sitting right here, you know. Yeah, yeah. oh, you're married to yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. All right. Yeah, you'll see some dynamics come. The, the, the I understand now. Now, yeah. well, now we can talk. Uh, I didn't know. We just met a minute we're ago. Gonna, I didn't listen, know the two were. By the end of this, we're going to be real close. We're going yeah. to we're get to know each other on a very deep yes, level. Maybe you can coach me through some things here. Yes, okay. Well, people don't understand the issue. And because of that, there's there's a lot of hate out there. When you're a member of probably the most marginalized community in the world is the trans community. And people will don't understand, will take shots. I just, I mean, not that I really care, but once in a while I'll read Instagram stuff, quote, you know, comments. And I go, who are these idiots? The good news is 99% of the people on who follow me all just blast them. But they always come around and they're always the first ones there. It's like they're sitting in their room with a lot of hate and all of a sudden you post something and they're like the first ones to post the remarks. Hey, bros, why would you, you know, this and that. So, I mean, in their bio, it says God is good and, and always be kind. And it's always a troll. Yeah. The trolls always have be kind, be you, love Jesus. In but their let's, bio. I want to always. talk about that a little bit with you because I saw you commented on Elliot Page's transition. And I also saw that, you know, like, oh, no, step, take a step back. I want to talk about double standards here a little bit. I feel like when you transitioned, I'm very happy that your family was so supportive and the people close you were supportive. But I feel there's a double standard where like, you also got a lot of shit from a lot of people that are very supportive of other people in Hollywood transitioning. But maybe if you don't fit that agenda or that kind of typecast, it's, they're not as forgiving with someone like yourself. And I wonder if you ever if you've ever thought about that double standard. I see, see uh, we're gonna get into we some can talk about <laughs> We can talk about that stuff off the air. Yeah, I gotta be very careful with that. The trans community is probably more critical than the general public. You mean of you transitioning compared to someone like an Elliot transitioning? Uh, of me being, a, a being white, I have a job, I've been successful, I have white privilege, celebrity privilege, I've got every privilege there is in the world. I agree with them. I do. I've worked hard my whole life. And for that, you can't be a spokesperson for the community. Why do you think that you know, is? Yes, yes. Because you didn't you know, live in the gutter and 25% of all prostitutes are trans women. You didn't go hooking for a living and this and that. So you, you don't understand. You don't understand. You know, at first I would say I had thought I could really make a difference and change the world. And in a lot of ways I did just being myself. But I mean, I try to do things politically I was back in Washington, D.C. all the time trying to change things. And, and because politically, obviously, is a big issue that we have. I would go back, back to the first couple of years, go back every couple of months back in Washington, D.C., meet with senators and congressmen and this and that on the issues. One time I had dinner with 15 evangelical Christian conservative Republican uh, senators and congressmen Okay, we call him the enemy. And we had this dinner and it was me actually and another trans girl. We sat there for three hours talking about the issues, trying to explain things to them. And actually, it, it, by the end, it, it worked out very well. I made friends with everyone. I'm still friends with some of them to know, you know, that I can call them up and say, hey, look, I did a lot of that. But I... Uh, did a deal with Mac for lipsticks and 100% of the sales went to the, the Mac AIDS fund, which is a big problem in the trans community also. We gave away a lot of money, $2.2 million 
aesthetic kind of inspired me to start my own foundation. And over a couple of years, I raised about $600,000, gave it to trans organizations here and this and that. And, and let me tell you, it was very disappointing for me after near the end that I would help some of the organizations here in the Los Angeles area. And they would have an event that I helped pay for. And they would ask me not to come because I'm too controversial. And I said, fine, I don't, I don't need to come. I'm not looking for all that kind of stuff. But why do you think it is that you're controversial? Like, even I watched that Comedy Central roast you did, which I thought you were great on, by the way, and also a very good sport. But I, I, think I had about, a lot of fun with that. I, I looked like it. But yes. I think about, like, <laughs> if they were as hard on someone like an Elliot Page or any other trans person in the trans community as they were on you, people would be up in arms. But for some reason, when they do it to you, it's okay. And I, and I wonder if you just, if you think about that or how you yeah, thoughts no, on I, that. Because they were hard on you. Oh, yeah. Well, they you started off, you were, everything was apple pie and ice cream. Uh, and then, yeah, they came down. I was on the wrong side of issues for them. I've always been conservative, more on the Republican side than anything. And I mean, that's like a taboo. Oh my God, you can't do that. You You have to be a liberal Democrat and all that kind of stuff. Well... I never have been, never will be, you know. I mean, I believe in limited government and all that good stuff and certainly social issues. We need to take care of the people, but the only way we can take care of the people is with an absolute boom in economy, you know, and everybody's got a job and everybody's working. And so, you know, those are the types of things that, that I believe in, but you just can't do that. And, you know, you're white and I've had members of the, the community just tear into me and I was like guys I'm only trying to help I'm just I'm here to help you know? that's what I find ironic though yeah. because you had such a powerful platform and mm. such a known face and personality yeah. and you doing something like this should be an indicator and a beacon for anyone else that feels the way you did to to also feel empowered in their transition if they're looking for it and for some reason like well, you still get shit for it in that yeah I Unless as I'm far as the community no, it was as far as making a change in the world when I transitioned okay I made a huge difference, okay? No doubt. Not talking about the trans community, not talking about any of that kind of stuff, as far as people that are struggling with their identity, okay? A huge impact. I mean, I've gotten so many letters over the years, uh, especially right at the beginning. Uh, kids, you know, suicide, nine times higher than the general public in the community that said I was going to commit suicide. But when I'm, I was watching and seeing what you're doing, you know what, if you're that strong, I can be that strong. And so letters like, I mean, I got so many of those over, and still get them over the years. And I feel like my greatest contribution that I can make is just being out there without m m trying to change the world. Just be out there, do shows. I did a show last year in, in London or in uh, Australia for uh, British television. Huge, big show and all that kind of stuff. But it was just be out there. Life didn't end if you transitioned. You know, I Life's also not think that end. one of the best things about you is that you were perceived as so masculine and the, the best in all the sports and you were so competitive. And I think that that shows maybe someone that is masculine that they can transition to if they're uncomfortable with their gender. Just about to talk about one of your favorite brands, Ritual. Okay, guys, they have covered all their bases here. Not only do they have Ritual for men now, they also have Essential for Kids. 
So it's really everyone in the family. They have prenatal vitamins. They have essential for women. They have everything covered. Michael's been popping these. I'm not going to lie, Lauren. I was thinking about kicking them off the show as a sponsor until they came out with the men's because I felt really disincluded. So thank you, Ritual. Now I am on board. I'm feeling included. And we can continue this partnership. It's looking a little dicey there for a minute. <laughs> okay, so... If you have kids that are picky eaters, these vitamins are made by even pickier parents. So Ritual knows how difficult it is to get your kids the nutrients they need. So that's why they made Essential for Kids. And this is going to fill in your kids' diets from the ages of 4 to 12 without making a single compromise to quality or taste. Taste is important. Yep. And when you're looking into a supplement, so many people get confused. There's so much out there. What do you take? Which brands? How do you go about choosing the right vitamins? What I love about Ritual and why they've been a partner of this show for so long, what is it, three, four years running now, is because they really jam it all in there. They are an essential multivitamin for both men and women and now children. Not only do they have a natural citrus berry flavor, but they're also convenient by design. So each gummy features a three-in-one design that combines a daily multi, a vegan omega-3 DHA, and a good source of fiber per serving. I just feel like if you're a mom or a dad, you want to know what you're giving your kids. So Ritual is very transparent with everything. They have a one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. So you'll always know what the nutrients are in the multivitamins and where they're sourced. Huge fan. When it comes to what's going into our kids' body, they've got being picky down to a science. That's why Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. All you guys need to do is visit ritual.com skinny to start your ritual or add Essential for Kids today. Enjoy. Yes, I look at it this way. And you don't think about it at the time, but I look at it this way. The reasons for my success in sports, okay? One, dyslexic. You know, I had, you know, I was low self-esteem. Secondly, my identity issues, which I had as a very young kid, but I could go on the football field take a guy who's a good student, good reader, you know, doesn't have any issues in life and clean his Just crush him. <laughs> and that's a good feeling. And that was, it set up a pattern in my head. I, I look back on that. I, I often say, if I did not have those issues, I would never be in the place that I'm in today. Okay. They actually, I used what, what I considered my weaknesses to be my greatest strength because it made me more determined than the next person. I worked harder than the next person. It was more important for me to do well in sports because I had all these, I never told anybody, I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell nobody, but it's just, it's all in your head. Why you out-trained them? As I went up the ladder, and I wasn't just trying to make my high school team, I'm now trying to be the best in the world at something. I was just totally so driven. And I look back on that life and I go, Jesus, I was kind of crazy. I mean, all the training and everything that I was doing. But if I would have been average, if I would have been like any kid, every kid, you know, been an okay reader, middle of the road student, no identity issues, this and that. When sports came along, I wouldn't have needed it. So I would have been like every other kid when it comes to sports. Oh, sports is kind of fun and this and that. You go do it. But to me, it was much more important. You used it to fuel you instead of victimize you. Yeah. yeah. So in a weird way... These these identity thoughts that you're having, like they've helped fuel you to become a world champion. Is that what oh, you're saying? Absolutely. What kind of mindset do you have to be in to get to that level of champion? I mean, like when you're competing and you're competing against the best in the world, like what goes, what, what do you have to be thinking on a daily, weekly basis in order to compete at that level? 
You have to be crazy at some well, level to get that. Well, I, I trained the last 12 years of the decathlon running that, in particular the last six of those years. That's basically all I did was train. I trained six to eight hours a day, every day, 365 days out of the Whoa. year. I put the work in, competed all over the world. For the last three years of my career, I never lost a meet. I won every meet I was in. I broke the world record twice before going to the games and then broke it again at the games and then walked away. But I was totally, I mean, I lived on nothing. <laughs> in fact, a couple of days ago, this good friend of mine, Ron Michael, he was also in San Jose when I was training the last four years. And he was a little older, former All-American in the discus, now in the business world. He helped me make a few bucks uh, so I could train more. You know, we've been friends ever since. We've played, been playing golf. And we it was his 80th birthday, and we were out celebrating his 80th birthday for a round of golf at Sherwood. And But it was people like that that turned around and helped me. I, I lived really cheap. I lived in a $145 a month apartment, one little bedroom right next to the track. I drove a 63 VW Bug I paid $175 for. And you don't need a lot of money to train. And you just need to eat well and take your vitamins and surround yourself with really good people. And that's what I was able to do. Training was intense, but I also had an ending. For me, I could give up a lot of things back then in the 70s. Why? Because on the 30th of July in 1976, it was going to be over with. I was done. I'm moving on. There's so many more important things and things that I have to do in my life that I don't want to spend my whole life running around a track. I'll do it now. And that finality of it all really helped. You said something, and, and I felt this in your book too, you said you looked in the mirror after you won the medal and you felt depressed. Do you think that was because you maybe got an astronaut syndrome where you, you did everything that you could possibly do with that and it almost made you feel depressed because it's like, where are you going to go when you're on the top? Not at all. I walked away. I walked away that night. I broke the world record that day for the third time. I was retired. I'm done. And I kind of looked, thought to myself, you know what? I am the luckiest human being in the world. I said, how many athletes retire from sports and have climbed every mountain? There was no other mountains to climb. I remember the first time I broke the world record, I was ecstatic. I said, oh, God, I got that thing in 1975, a year before. Uh, second time I did it, I go, hey, I had a good meet. I'd already climbed that mountain. You just put that mountain a little bit higher. And I thought, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. I, did ev I climbed every mountain, did everything I wanted to do. Not too many people can say that. So walk away, satisfied, and move on to, honestly, the more important things in life like life itself. I had no regrets. I was very happy, I was, but I was very lucky also. I was the right person in the right place at the right time in 1976. I, everything came together. It was the highest rated Olympic Games of all time. Nowadays, if they get like a, a top show, if you get like a 20 share, you're like the biggest hit in history. 1976, we were getting between 70 and 75 shares. Wow. The entire country watched, okay? It was a different time. It was our bicentennial year. I wonder what it would have been like if there was social media then. Yeah, no social media. Wild. Honestly, no cable industry. 
This was the last Olympics before cable came in 76. I think HBO started 78 with the cable industry and then ESPN was 79. So you just had three networks to watch. It was our bicentennial year. Three weeks earlier, we celebrated 200 years of this country. Patriotism is at its height. Everything's there. It's the right time zones because it's in Montreal, Canada, right over the river. So it's in the New York time zone. So everything was done live. Nobody knew what the results now with the internet, the results before it even goes on TV, unless it's really live, live. But because of time zones, things change. So yeah, I was kind of in the, just in the right place at the right time. And this is, you're, you were married to your first wife at this yes. point? Okay, and so you had two kids, three kids? Eventually, we had two kids together, two but kids. not yet, and not yet. And yeah. so when, when you won and you were ecstatic, did she feel the same excitement? Yes, obviously, we were very excited, both of us. But as you look back on it, it was probably one of the reasons eventually four years later, five years later, that the marriage probably collapsed because the, as I'm talking to a married couple, okay. Give us some advice. Yes, we need give all you the some advice. advice. Yeah. Tell Pe- us everything. People change. Okay. Okay. Constantly change. What circumstances are this and that. People change all the time. And for a relationship to be able to stay together while you have great changes in each one of your lives, okay? It's tough to do. I look at a lot of older couples, the people married 40 years, 50 years, they really haven't had many changes in their life, okay? They've been kind of the same people. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they have dinner, they may go do something, this and that. They pretty much stays the same thing. But like with the games, I mean, here I was, just totally obsessed with training and and winning. And Christy was a flight attendant for United Airlines, so she went off on her trips. And then all of a sudden, after the games, I couldn't walk down the street in New York City. Nobody knew who I was. I was living in a $145 a month apartment, and all of a sudden, after the games, you're this big superstar. You're doing commercials for Wheaties and this and that. What does that do to your psyche? Not mine at all. Didn't bother you? To be honest with you, I I thought it was pretty funny. You know, yeah. also it's pretty cool too. Well, yes, cool. It's look, you get a job. I remember the guy handed me the contract three months after the games when I'm living on seven hundred dollars a month, and handing me the contract for General Mills and says, "Congratulations, you're a millionaire." And I went, "Oh, Jesus, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, things change quickly." But yeah, I'll always remember that guy. In fact, about thirty years later, I ran into him. And I said, oh, my God, you're the guy who handed me to that contract and said, congratulations. And I said, boy, do I remember that moment. But in like in a relationship, our, it changed our relationship dramatically. I mean, where I was in my life, where she was in her life. It's almost like you went way out here. She's back here. The dynamics of the relationship was it just puts an enormous strain on everybody. You know, she's Christy. She's a good person. I mean, I don't have any issues with her and this and that we had, you know, and then we wound up after the games having two children, which are great kids, Bert and Casey, and have gone on to lead great lives. But yeah, to keep a relationship together, when things do change, can you change together? It's a really good tip. Really good tip. So yeah. then you met Linda at the Playboy Mansion, right? Oh, Jesus. You guys you're bringing were, up all the treasure. We're, we're in Hollywood. Tennis. We're looking out over Hollywood, we're, and you you're playing, bringing up the Hollywood stuff. I'm just stuff. reciting your book that I was uh-huh. that I read. By the way, if you guys have not read Caitlin's book, it is 
so good. I Secrets read it. of my life it's by Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, I'm so really good. proud of it. Yeah. It's I have to tell you, I read yeah. it in like two days. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very good. Yeah, I, I'm very proud of it's it. It's very honest. Boy, is it. Yeah. I, and huh. I, I, I liked that. Okay. You meet Linda at the Playboy Mansion. Yes. What did you notice first about her? She looked good. She looked good. She's <laughs> yeah. a beautiful woman. Yeah. So did you go up to her immediately or were you like, because well, I imagine was, as an Olympian. At, well, it was, we were at the Playboy Mansion because it was Sunday afternoon and there was a celebrity tennis match there. I was playing a lot of tennis at the time. That's why I was there. It wasn't like a nighttime thing. And so um, I went up there. I, I, I knew nothing about it. I just looked good. And she, we came over, we started talking, this and that, kept talking throughout the day. And basically I was separated uh, from Christy, but it wasn't public. We lived apart, we were separated and kind of free. And the first time I was ever free. And so anyway, we went out for a little bit and then Christy came back and we tried to work it out for about six months, four months. She eventually left again. You know, I called Linda and said, guess what? She's gone again. <laughs> Cause I never talked to her in between. We hit it off, we had a good time. And then wound up having two great boys, Brandon and Brody. Hold up, we are talking about the first to market best selling nutrient infused water with 100 essential vitamins, including, and this is my favorite part, 24% of your daily fiber intake, okay? Wanu water. This is so weird. Before I even worked with them, I ordered their Peach Passion, fell in love with it. I was using it for skinny margaritas. Um, even like a vodka soda with a little slice of orange or lemon is so good. But you can also drink it plain and be super healthy. But I'm just saying, I ordered it for my skinny margaritas, fell in love with it. Then we had the opportunity to interview the founders. We heard everything about their mission. And I just feel like it's so cool to have a water that, like I said, has 24% of your daily fiber intake. And it gives you that natural energy and boosts your metabolism. Kids can drink it and it quenches your appetite while you hydrate. Many of you guys may have heard Todd and Jacqueline O'Gara on the show talking all about the benefits of fiber and Wanu water. Since that interview, I have been stocked up on Wanu and I try to incorporate one in my daily routine at least once a day. And I am so happy Michael's doing this because 75% of Americans are deficient in fiber and this water has all the benefits of a high fiber diet. So that includes weight management, healthy gut, clear skin, increased energy, and blood sugar stabilization. How I like to have it is just over ice or I will do, like I said, a cocktail it makes some really good boozy cocktails. Anyway, check out Wanu Water. I am a huge fan of the Peach Passion. Like I said, it's ideal for kids with zero sugar, sugar alcohols, or artificial sweeteners. And this is a great way to sneak in vitamins, whether it's simply drinking Wanu or getting creative with recipes. Cheers. So how long are you with Linda for at this point? Not long, four years. Four years. And yeah. just to give you background, Linda is, and I hope I'm saying this right, Elvis's ex-wife or girlfriend? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. So th I'm, that's a whole different story to unpack, I'm sure, as well. Okay, so you're with Linda for you four are years. up on all of this. I, I can't help it. The book is so good. I'm yeah. telling you, you guys, it's like, I, I'm a big reader. I love to read, and autobiographies are my favorite. And okay. yours, like, I have to tell you, Buzz, you, you guys did a good Buzz job. Did a good, Buzz was Buzz was great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He really did a great, every time I would read, like, the chapters and stuff. And I remember... I went talking to Buzz and we were talking about the games for days. And I go, Buzz, 
I don't want to talk about the games. I'm so sick of the games. I got other things I'm doing now. Why are we talking about the games? And he goes, you got to put it in context. People don't know that are reading this, what you accomplished and where you were back then. You, you need to really establish that to a lot of people so they can understand today. You know, I think it's why. so important. Yeah, it is. It is important. But at the time, I was just like, this is a book about You me. were done it's, with that. You were done with the past. That, that was done. So about a week later, I have some off-road vehicles and I'm with my son, Bert. He's raced his cars and, and this and that. We were getting with a bunch of his buddies and we were taking them back up into out into the desert. And so we stopped at this place for breakfast. I'm fully transitioned at this point. No, wait a second. No, it was before I transitioned, before I, we came out on it. We're sitting around the table with all these kids. You know, these guys are like 20, 21 years old and this and that. And somebody brought up something about the Olympics and the guy turns around and looks at me and he goes, you were in the Olympics? <laughs> I go, yeah, yeah, actually I was. He goes, well, how did, how did you do? You know, I said, well, I won, won a gold medal and... <laughs> actually broke the world record that day because, oh my God, really? And I thought this was like a week after I'd had the conversation with Buzz about the, the games. And I said, you know what? You're right. To put the whole thing in proper perspective, you need to do that. No, it's good. We uh, we all needed context. I think yeah. that that's, that's such an important part of your life. Besides putting in YouTube, uh, running the 400 meters or something like that. Yeah. So after Linda, you met Chris. As you remember from the book, after Linda and I, we went our separate directions those were six years of struggling for me. I was trying to figure myself out, okay? And how did that manifest itself? Like what was, what was the, the main struggle? Who am I? Yeah, it seemed like, it seemed like you were, you, hmm. it seems like you're, you're very, very creative, but it seems like, and this is how me and my husband are, he, came, he kind of comes in and helps me refine refine, refine. It seems like in the book, this is what it seemed like Chris did that for you. She helped refine your vision and execute on but what I it wasn't, needed to be. I was fortunate. I If I would have met her three years before we did, because I took six years off in life and I moved to a little, I leased a little house in Malibu, really small little place. Didn't really want to work. I'm trying to figure myself out. I thought, I'm going to transition before I'm 40. I, I can't take this. Oh, you were long. thinking about it right then. like. Oh, yeah. This is 84 to 85 in there. I was on hormones. I finally, I, you know how back then in the 80s before the internet, how difficult it is like to find a therapist, to find anything you can't. And eventually you keep plugging along. And eventually I found this therapist who deals in this issue. It's the first person I ever sat down and talked to about everything. Good old Trudy Hill. I was with her for like five years but had electrolysis done doing all these things to, I want to do this before I'm old. I don't want to be like an old chick and all this sort of stuff. I want to be able to enjoy myself and this and that. So I'm going to do it before I'm 40. So I got to 39 <laughs> after doing all this. I'd been on hormones for four and a half years. The rumor mills were kind of going about me. What were they saying? Well, the New York Times was going to write an article that I was a cross-dresser because I had had a little bit of a nose job. I kind of had, I had a peak in my nose. I had that done, which is really small, but I had been on hormones, which changes your appearance somewhat. I had had complete electrolysis done. That was two and a half years of getting needles stuck in your face. Yeah, it was very painful. So I was getting all this stuff done. 
the kind of the rumor mill started back then. And it was started with the, the New York Times was going to write an article that I was a cross-dresser. Did they give you a heads up or they were just, or you heard from somebody else? I had a PR company, good old Alan Nirob at Rogers and Cowan. And he was kind of just getting started in the PR business. And didn't someone see you at a hotel or something? Is that? That happened later. That's later. Okay, go ahead. My Alan, my PR guy calls up and says, this guy wants to do this article saying you're a cross-dresser. Alan really didn't know much at the time and said, ooh, oh, 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 okay, that's not going to work. In my head, I'm not a cross-dresser, okay? I'm just, although I do cross-dress, I'm not a cross-dresser, okay? I'm just trying to be myself. I said, Alan, okay, we got to have a meeting. So I have this very powerful lawyer, Alan Rothenberg, my manager, George, and Alan, and we sit down in a room. And I kind of told him my story. And I said, this is what I've been dealing with all my life, on and on and on. They're all kind of surprised, but they go, okay. And so I said, but you got, I can't, you know, I can't have this article come out. I mean, Jesus, just kill me. So Alan shut it, shut the article down. He just called him up and just kept saying, are you kidding me? I'm, you know, are you Bruce Jenner? Yeah. Right. Okay. Don't write something that's... So it kind of talked the guy out of it. But still, the rumor was out there. I got to 39 and I just couldn't go any further. I couldn't do it. As I look back on it, it just wasn't time for me. Everybody does it in their own time frame. Every transition is different. Everything, you know, you got to do it in your own way. What's right for you? And God, and I said, I just can't do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be living in this house for six years, not being a good parent. I wasn't good with my kids. I was just not a good person at that time. I said, okay, I got to, I got to get back into life. I just can't do this sitting here every day by myself. I got to get back into life. And then honestly, about four months later, five months later, because my head was a little more open, Candace, Candace Garvey, Steve Garvey, the baseball players, his wife, we were on a fishing trip and she brought up this, she knew Chris. She goes, oh my God, you know, I got to set you up. And I'm thinking, oh God. Anyway, we did wind up going out about a week later. We all went out to dinner. Yeah, that was it. We, we were together, married five and a half months later. She had four kids. I had four kids. We kind of tried to do our best to blend a family of eight kids. Yeah, we had 23 really good years together. What do you think it was about Chris that made that relationship move so fast when after you guys met? It sounds like it was just like lightning in a bottle right away. For me, she was very different. She was very classy, had a great sense of style to her. She was very smart. I always liked strong women and she was very strong. I've always put kind of women up on a pedestal and and, and I love strong women, uh, independent women, and she was all of those things. And she was very different for me, I mean, you know, she lived in Beverly Hills and I'm not a Beverly Hills person. She had just been going through a divorce and um, no, we just kind of hit it off from the beginning. And then she kind of like helped you, I feel like it seemed, and you helped her in a way, like really create this massive brand. Because- Oh, she did, yes. Oh, God, yes. So what did she, she saw all these like accomplishments that you had and then it seems like she was able to like- at the beginning, yeah, at the beginning, I had not really, for those six years, I was hanging out in a leased house in Malibu, not really been motivated to work. And then I'm thinking, oh boy, okay, I would get married, pick up four more kids. I got four. 
I got to get back to work. <laughs> and so Chris and I talked about that a lot. She goes, well, I'm, I'm going to take it over. I'm going to run this thing. And I go, oh, okay, go do it. And so I had had my manager for 17 years. We walk into a meeting, the two of us kind of just as we were engaged, but we weren't married yet. She just basically said, you're going to be fired. I'm taking over. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And he goes, huh? He was a little upset, to say the least. Went to my accountants, all that sort of stuff. You're gone. We're taking everything in-house. And I had done a lot of public speaking. I do motivational speaking for, you know, ever since 19, my first Olympics in 1972. And that always been, that was just kind of the constant was always there, speaking engagements. But I had not done much because I just hadn't been motivated at all. She goes, well, we're going to start with that. And so she made up these beautiful brochures and starts sending them out to speakers bureaus and making contacts. And all of a sudden speaking started coming back. And then we started in the first year, the infomercial world, early 90s, was just getting started. And I was asked to do this infomercial the stair climber plus i thought you know why not let's look into it and so chris and i did him together that was the first time she'd ever done anything on camera it was so funny she was so bad <laughs> <laughs> she was a beverly hills housewife she had never she had never been like speaking in front of a camera oh like God. looking at a camera and being you know yourself and this and that so the first i stood behind the camera and i'm watching her first on camera and I went, oh my God, it didn't even sound like you. Who was that person that was talking there? And and anyway, I said, trying to help her get her, you know, calm down. It's okay. Anyway, eventually she got really good. Just like all my kids, they got really good. And that was kind of the beginning. And then that started generating something. And that led to other things, to other things, to other things. And, to, you know, eventually the show. Do you feel like you got like a second win there for in terms of your career? Like, do you, do you feel like you had purpose again? Because um, during that six year period, it sounds like you were kind of trying to find yourself in both professionally and personally. Yeah. And then with this, was it? Do you feel like it was like a second wind, or like how did you feel oh, during it was, that time? It was uh, a second, third, and fourth wind. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, but I've never been much like career motivated. Like I've got to do this or this and that. I like making a, a decent money's not that important to me. It's just that I I like to have a decent house. I don't want a big house. Decent house, maybe a couple of nice toys. I'm fine. A golf course I can go to. I I, I don't need any more than that. I don't need massive homes and. I've had those. I don't want a home where I have to have an intercom put into just so I can find my kids. I'm like that too. I, I, I Whenever I envision my life, I, even if I made a shit ton of money, I, yeah. I would rather have something. I don't know if it's a control thing. I want to, I, I don't want an intercom. I like simple. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. What is it like? And this is kind of a plot twist, but what is it like being a massive celebrity? Like what's the weirdest thing about it? Because you live so much of your life normal. Well, what I told my kids, I said to them, first of all, every person you meet can do something better than you can do. So true. So true. They can do something better than you can do. So don't get on your high horse and think you're 
hot shit, okay? Because they could do something better than you could do. They may have been better in math in high school or whatever, or what, whatever it is. I, I've met kids and they seem like just these normal little kids, nice kids, maybe a little shy, this and that. And then they walk up to a piano and they just can rock the piano. I go, Jesus, where did that come from? I didn't know they could do something like that or play the violin or do something, play sports, whatever it is. They can all do something. So stay humble, number one. Number two, first of all, and be nice to everybody. I would always tell them this story. I would say, be nice to everybody, even the person carrying your bags. 1976, the first show I ever did was for ABC Sports was Battle of the Network Stars. Net War One, Pepperdine University with Howard Cosell, me and Howard hosting this celebrity event. And we were back in New York doing the voiceovers, running a little late. And so this is 1976. So we asked one of the production guys if he'd go over to my hotel room, throw my stuff in a bag because I had a plane to catch and then just get in his car and then wait at the bottom, Rockefeller Center, just wait down there. So as soon as I'm done, because it was running late, I can run down there and boom, he gets me out to the, and he was a nice, good looking guy, very nice guy. Anyway, that guy today, Bob Iger. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, oh my God, that is such a good story. I oh, hope that's in his book. So yeah, yeah, I just finished his book. Oh well, yeah, oh yeah. I always called him my valet, and when I was saying, "Bob, Bob, I got my bags over. Could you get those for me?" You know, and everybody, oh my God, you can't talk to him. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Bob and I go back, and I knew Willow before he had even she had met Bob. Yeah, so I say, be nice to everybody with the kids. I said you have to look at being a celebrity. Okay, you can look in a lot of different ways, but. Look at that is, first of all, it's kind of a bunch of BS what being a celebrity is. But more importantly, if you look at it as a business, just like any other business that's out there, being a celebrity can be a business. And boy, did my kids listen to me on that one. Don't say <laughs> um, Yeah, you can, you can be a celebrity to build a very good life for yourself. Okay. And you have to treat it like a business. And the things you do, the things you say, the way you build your brand or build your business. I also told them, I said, you can only build up so much equity in yourself. Okay. What does that mean? You can only build up so much equity in the sense that what your time is worth and what your image is worth. You can only build up so much. When that, when the Wheaties contract is over with, okay, that's gone. You move on, hopefully, to the next thing. I said, if you really want to build something, you have to build businesses because then you not only build equity in yourself, but you build even a hundred times more equity in your business, okay? That's where the value lies, okay? So being entrepreneurial, starting businesses, all that kind of stuff. And they certainly took me on that one. Yeah, they all started businesses. Smart. When you think about Kylie and Kendall, and the reason I ask about them is because your other kids are older and they grew up in a time where maybe there wasn't as much of the, they weren't as public. Uh, But Kylie and Kendall were so young when everything was taking off and they've always been in the, like since, I mean, what, 10, 12 years old since they've been in the public eye. Are there things that you would tell them or caution against that you don't have to to talk to the older kids about? Because they've only ever been in the public eye. Yeah. No, my kids, they they didn't really even want to be in the show at the beginning. To be honest with you, Chris decided, and I agreed with her, that we would take any money that they made. They were only like nine, 10 years old. This, they were young. They were very young when the show started. 
and um, that we would put it in a trust account for them and they couldn't touch it till they're 18. Never thinking that the show would go that long. What's it been now? Twenty something years? Uh, yeah, it's 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 been on, it's no, it's been on like thirteen years, I think. They've done over five hundred episodes. Jesus. Yeah, it's been on forever. And anyways, they put all their money away. They did, certainly didn't need it. They were living nice, very nice lives. And but then when they were eighteen, they had this nice little nest egg, so they could go out and do stuff. And that's how Kylie started Kylie Cosmetics. She gave Kendall the freedom uh, to go out, and uh, she wanted to get in the modeling world. Yeah, I remember Kendall telling me she was like fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in there. She goes, "I'm going to be a Victoria's Secret model," <laughs> and I look at her. I'm not going to discourage her. I said, "Great," but in my head, I'm thinking, "Right." And uh, lo and behold, when she turned 18, she didn't even have a job in the modeling world. She got an agent. Uh, she went to New York, cold calls. Nobody knew who she was besides obviously from the show, but nobody really knew who she was. And kept going on little calls, getting turned out for runway event, runway stuff. And then finally, Mark Jacobs gave her a job. And she went out and did her runway, first runway with Marc Jacobs. And I saw you at the Victoria's Secret fashion show. I think it was the New York one. Yes. And she was walking down the runway. Well, she told me. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> months before, she goes, I'm going to do the Victoria's Secret you know, show. And I said, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it was cool. I'm going to be there. And she goes, no. I said, what do you mean? No. She goes, no, I don't want you to come. She really has this thing about this is my thing, not the family stuff. This is my deal. Okay. I come and I create a commotion or whatever it is. And it takes away from her. And I said, I said, well, okay, I'm going to be there. <laughs> okay. I'll be as quiet and discreet as I possibly can, but I guarantee you, I will be in the front row but I'll, I won't do too much hooting and hollering. I said, but you told me three, four years ago that you wanted to be a Victoria's Secret model and you're there going down the runway. I'm going to be there to see it. That's all there is to it. It's done. Literally, we know four years later, she would be the most successful, highest paid model in the world. But she did it through hard work. Kendall, I mean, she would go out for a week on the road and literally travel around the world, working in different places all around the world. She'd be back eight days later, nine days later, and she'd literally circumnavigated the world and done modeling jobs in all these different places. She would never stop. I mean, she worked really hard. She would be on all-night flights and going here, going there. It's a tough business. Yeah, that's why she got there. Out of all your kids, who do you see yourself in the most? Because it sounds like Kendall, maybe. Kendall and I have a lot in common. Yeah. She's very athletic. We kind of both had the same attitude towards life, but, and I get along very well with the two of them, but Kylie and I just seem to be closer at most of the time. Kendall's off kind of doing her thing. Kylie, like, you know, I did her last night at Kylie's house. We try to do that once a week, once every two weeks. I go over there and she always has these great meals prepared. She doesn't do them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't cook those meals. Yeah. <laughs> but they're so good. But it, it's it's better than a better than a restaurant. Sophia, like one last show. So Sophia, Kylie, and myself, and just the three of us. Nobody around. This and that. Just in the house. She has some beautiful homes. Just talk for an hour and have a glass of wine and talk about stuff and this and that. And so from that standpoint, we're a lot closer. Kendall's not that. She's always very kind of a little bit more secretive. We're still very close, but it's kind of harder to figure out where Kylie's more of an open book. Let me ask you this. In in your life and in your family's life, being so public, are there things you miss about anonymity? Like being... Yeah. Like not so public because I, I look at this all the time and in a way like everybody looks at celebrities like oh my god this like pinnacle of like, fame, but I but I look at it in another way where sometimes I feel bad in a way if like if someone like yourself is out and you can't be left alone or you can't eat you know dinner without people snapping your pictures or you can't have people listening like do you ever miss that part of your no your I life? I'm always nice nice to everybody you know you want a picture I'll take a picture and my kids sometimes it's it's very difficult because they can get overwhelmed out there. But because of what I've been able to do and the businesses I've been able to develop, I have a very good life. You know, I got a great nice little house out in Malibu. I got, I'm into aviation. I got my airplane. I, I can race cars. I can do this and that. First of all, after I transitioned, I thought, can I still do all that stuff? And I thought, why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, I have my life outside of that. It's like when you go off of the property it's your work. You can be working. But you and never miss just being able to just walk down the street without people. You know, yeah, it sounds I, like they've it. always She's looked at me. She's used to it. Yeah. You yeah. It's, like, you know it's almost like when you leave your compound, what's going to happen? Here's the deal. It's almost like being a celebrity. It's like being, you'll be able to learn, understand this. Being a beautiful woman out in public, you get stared at. True. She gets stared at. You you know, guys are all looking. You're walking down a street. Guys are staring at you. Rightfully so. I mean, and so I've always kind of felt being a celebrity is like that because then you stand out. Okay. You got the blonde hair, very beautiful face. You're great. And you, but you're used to that. You can handle yourself. Some guy makes some comment. You can handle yourself. You know, you know how to deal with that. And it's the same way as being a celebrity. You're recognized for your face and who you are and what you've accomplished and all that kind of stuff. People would stare at you. The tougher part is, especially in today's world, and I've seen it change since I've been around for so long, is social media and the public. It's Social media can be absolutely brutal. With people commenting or people like taking pictures of you, like in what kind no, of way? No, so just it's a tremendous loss of people's privacy. Yeah. Okay. Tremendous loss of my privacy, even, but I use, I mean, I use social media and, but I use it to see what, what can I do? I I like to communicate. I just started a YouTube channel. Okay. So what can we expect on your YouTube channel? Well, I do everything. I've got about 15 shows, 16 shows that I've done so far during the pandemic. I got nothing to do. I've never (laughs) not worked. Why do you not have a podcast? I've thought about that. It becomes a lot of work. like the YouTube channel just because I like doing the visual kind of stuff. Okay. And because that's what I've always done. It's been on camera and this and that. On my YouTube channel, I, I just do a wide variety of everything. Done from cooking shows to makeup tutorials. Love it. To flying my airplane. Okay. 
I had one the other day. I've got a gopher problem. <laughs> what do you mean? I have a lot of gophers in my on my property, okay. and they're coming and eating my plants. I mean, I'm going to go to Caitlyn Jenner's property if I'm a gopher, too. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Say, so they all came up, and they're eating all I have, like, these uh, cactus-type things that stick up, and they like them. And uh, so, of course, <laughs> I get on YouTube, and I just say, I need help. And would you go to my YouTube channel and, or go on Instagram tell them, go over there. I need some help, please. And, and I go on and I got this whole thing about my gophers. I show them where they've eaten all these plants and I got pieces of plants all over the place. I'm showing them the holes. How do I get rid of them? I don't want to really kill them, but if I can catch them and then just take them off in the mountains and, and I'll get rid of them and let them do their thing up there. <laughs> and oh my God, I got thousands of comments of people coming up with every right down to call Bill Murray. <laughs> That's a good one. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah. Call Bill Murray. Oh, you do it this way. They gave me suggestions on different type of plants to plant that the gophers wouldn't go after. I mean, a lot of really good stuff. So anyway, I bought three cages and I put, you know, lettuce in there. I put some carrots in there. They got these cages where I can just <laughs> go catch them. And I put it out there for days and all I caught was rabbits. I gotta, I, never I gotta go watch this. Lauren, if you don't get I never that Bill Murray one... Caddyshack reference, we might not yeah. be able to stay together. I do. Okay. I know. Yeah, and I, I never caught one gopher, but I caught a lot of rabbits, but I let the rabbits go. They were well-fed rabbits when they left in the morning. Yeah. So the gophers are still there? The go Well, I don't know. That's a very good question, because as I walked by the area they were all at, they've eaten everything. There's nothing left for them to eat. And so I'm wondering, did they move on? Maybe. Maybe they moved on. But more importantly, when you were outside, were you wearing sunscreen? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I always wear my sunscreen, okay. which brings up our subject <laughs> of... Yes. Lumisol. Yes. Tell us about this situation and how... Okay. How it all got yeah, started. Yeah, how it got started. Give us the background. Okay. Uh, Sophia, my good buddy, she moved. She went to Pepperdine. Really, really, really smart a lot of fun to be around about four, four and a half years ago when she got out of Pepperdine, she wound up moving in to my house because I was there all by myself. We've been best of friends. Everybody asks, oh, are you romantically involved? No, we're just the best of friends. Okay. And over the years, now, now Sophia is an amazing person. She was a, a finance and uh, economics major, finance major at Pepperdine. She was like president of the freshman, sophomore, junior classes at Pepperdine. Amazing career. She she won the state debate champion in the, the state of Washington. And she's probably calling me right now looking for me. The worst it would be is, because she's keeping up. She says, how long have you been there? Yeah. <laughs> what have you said? Have, yeah, have, yeah, what have you said? I know, what have you said? Tell Who, her she can come on next time. Yeah, well, she said, yeah. Oh, it's my son, Brandon. Well, wait, I know what he's asking. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what he's asking. Yes, my son, Brandon. But anyway, she's just an amazing. So when she came in, she was only young. She was like 20 years old, 21 years old, 20 years old, I think, when she moved in. But she was great. I mean, we had a lot of fun. We did things together, this and that. So I've always had a problem with my skin. The aging process is not for sissies, Okay. 
And I've always had this issue. I, when I was young, I was out in the sun my whole life. I was a competitive water skier, obviously track and field. I did it, all these things. Never, you know, nobody wore sunscreen. And now you pay for it. I've had these all sorts of issues, particularly basal cell carcinomas uh, that just don't go away. You got to get them surgically removed. And I had one on my cheek that we had to remove, easy to remove. You can just close it up. I had one on my forehead next year. And you have to stay here. on top of that pretty frequently, right? Like you have to get checked out. Oh, I got checked out all the time. Yeah. And then I had one on my nose right there. Okay. And I'm looking at it and it's getting redder and you can see and it won't go away. You can put stuff on it. Just ain't, it ain't going away. So I go to my dermatologist. Anyway, I have a cutout, a 10 millimeter hole right on the end of my nose, right here, okay? They, the only way they can get rid of it is to cut it out. They cut it out, and then I had to drive across town to a plastic surgeon, and he took this, made this big S cut on my nose all the way across like this, took all the skin off my nose. We were shooting it for keeping up. <laughs> the poor cameraman, <laughs> Caesar, was going, I, was, I, I couldn't look at you. I could only look at the lens because then it wasn't real. <sighs> You know, take all and then re-put all the skin back over to close up the hole because you, you don't have skin to bring in there. So they have to kind of redo all the skin. Anyway, the guy did an amazing job. Cut to five years ago. I start seeing a red spot in the same spot. I'm thinking, oh man, they did get it all and this and that. So I go to, I got a new dermatologist. I go there and of course there's new technology and they have this like chemo cream and it attacks the bad cells. Got to put it on for like five days, six days, morning and night. I, you know, diligently put it on. At the end of five days, six days, you know, it was red, but it wasn't on the sixth day. <laughs> I looked like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My whole head, it was just this massive red nose at the end. Of course, I'm trying to avoid the paparazzis. I don't need to have to explain this to everybody. And of course, I come around in Malibu, I come around the corner and there's a guy with a camera, bang, gets a shot. I got this big thing. And now it's Caitlin is got a bad reaction to plastic surgery and, you know, all the all the tabloid stuff. They all come up with all this stuff. So Sophia and I, and I said to her, I said, you know what, let's no makeup on, no nothing. Sit on the end of the bed with my big red nose, take a picture on Instagram and just say effects of sun damage, wear your sunscreen. And boy, I got some big response to that. People were sending me product and this and that. So Sophia said, she goes, start it. We should start a sunscreen company. And I looked at her and I love motivating young people. And I said, you know what? You're right. Go do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of her reaction. She fucking executed. Oh yeah, boy, did she. And I said, I knew all about her background and this and that. And I said, Go do it. And she gives me kind of this look in her head like, huh? Okay, I'm going to go do this. First thing she did, she started ordering these magazines and industry magazines on sunscreens and this and that and started reading. Anyway, eventually we went out. She went to venture capital to raise money, raised a ton of money just on her. No products, just ideas. And basically started Lumisol. Had to get product made, FDA, it, it all has to, sunscreens all have to be FDA approved. So you got to go through approval processes. What is going to make our product, you know, her product 
different than what else is out there? What are the issues? And so she just started developing what I would consider more of a high-tech look at sunscreen. And because it's a huge problem. Skin cancer is a huge problem. People die. I mean, you get melanomas, this and that from the sun. You can die. You know, she started this company. And finally, after three years, hiring people, getting this product done, we got product at the house. We were supposed to open up April 1st. Oh, great. Two weeks before the world shut down. Okay. Sophia is devastated, to say the least. Like, what, what, yeah. was, what was going through your mind? Because, I mean, you've seen a lot of shit. Well, I didn't, is... Yeah, I, I, I never thought it would last this long. It would become such a political issue. It's just, it's, it's a joke. I mean, it's just, yeah, people are dying. And if, if you're in that category of people that can really, really, really get sick from this stuff or potentially die, you better take personal responsibility and take care of yourself. But for the general public, no. It's, you it's want to know the, something fucked up? This is true. Yeah. We in this business right now in this office are considered essential. Oh, good. With what we're doing. But they aren't out there? Yes. But that's, and you know, and listen, in my world, because I run this business, I would think like, oh, that's great. Keep me essential. Keep me, but I still have the office shut down. But I feel so bad for the small businesses that are classified as non-essential because you and I sitting a few feet apart right now are considered essential and allowed to open. Listen, it's going to get political, but certain restaurants, outdoor dining, these people are losing their livelihoods and it's it's not fair. Losing their lives. Yeah, it's not fair. People are There's no thought to that. How do I, how does this business podcasting fall into being essential? I don't know. So what did you say to Sophia when you're about to launch April 1st? What was the pep talk? uh, Well, uh, we'll get through this. And she really has. She's done an amazing job. She was the official sunscreen of Coachella. She was making booths for Coachella. She had the whole thing going. It's going to be this grand opening and nothing. It's vegan, cruelty-free. Yep. 80 minutes water resistant. But my favorite thing about this sunscreen is it's pre and post makeup application. There's so many sunscreens that you have to put on before your makeup. And that's the problem I have because sometimes I want to apply it later and I want to spray it on top of Mm. my foundation. So to me, that's amazing. It's also good for all skin tones. Yeah. What it is, is I use this cream in the morning under my makeup. It's got a great texture to it. It's great kind of somewhat odorless. It's got a little smell. It just kind of smells clean. If I know I'm going to be on the golf course or all that sort of stuff, and it applies nicely under your skin, and it's a great moisturizer. And then that one's SPF 30. And I put that under there just for the protection, but sunscreen doesn't last forever. So when I'm out on the golf course, like when I get there, I'll just give, I got the other thing, the mist, and I'll just pump that on Usually I wear a hat, so I kind of put it like more just like right here. That will last me. Sometimes I'll put it on after the front nine, but it just kind of depends. But that pretty much keeps me. It's SPS 50, this, the mist, the and mist the cream is, is F, S, SPF 30. 30. Yeah. So you put that one on first when you apply your foundation as like a primer, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And then you do the mist afterwards. Mm-hmm. So where are you guys at right now with the company? I love how you probably get 200 calls a day because of your kids. Well, I do. There's your kids <laughs> all over the place. Feel Hold free on. to pick up. <laughs> Hold on. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, well, here we go. Hold on. My dad has that same ringer. <laughs> really? It's loud. It's, you, you can't miss it anywhere. Sophia? <laughs> how did it go? 
We're still You're, here. We're talking about Lumisol as we speak. As we speak. We're obsessed. It's so cute. Congratulations. Sophia, I heard you're coming on the show at some point. I, I, I'm excited. I think I'm coming on next, next month sometime. Love it. Love it. We're having such a good time. And this, this mist sunscreen is so major that you can apply it after your makeup's on. Caitlin's given us all the background on you before you come on, so we know all the right questions to ask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send you that. Oh, you guys got some today, right? Yes, yeah. we got some. Yep. Good. Yeah. Good. Oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you love it, and I'm glad it's going well. Call no. me back when you're done. Call me. We're not too much. We're just doing uh, the little Lumisol pitch here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We can't wait. Thank you. Hey, okay. Bye. Bye. The great one. I love that. I love that she yeah. was called. That's amazing. <laughs> I know, right in the middle of it. So you so you can use the mist after the makeup. You can use the cream before the makeup. Yeah. And where are you guys at right now with the brand? Are you going to be expanding? What's next? Oh, boy. Oh, Sophia's got a lot of things on the market that are coming up. This will be, Lumisol will be a 100% sunscreen company. Okay. We're not going to kind of branch out. We're going to stay in this marketplace because we believe, one, in the product's and one that people need protection from the sun. I'm the perfect example of what happens, especially for not just sun, but for, it's kind of like anti-aging. I mean, you know, protect yourself from the sun, you're not gonna wrinkle as bad. So all of those types of things. So we're pretty much committed with Lumisol to uh, a variety of products. And they're all in, got a lot of ideas, but they're in the making. and. The products take a while just because they have to go through the FDA. Is this the next Kylie Cosmetics? Um, for sunscreen, yes. Love it. I, uh, yes, I, I would love that. We had dinner last night with Kylie, and uh, we talked a lot. Kylie and Sophia get along very well. And we talked. Kylie is just the exception to the rule. I mean, she's just, she is, all the stars came together. You know, when she knows she how to market her, too. She does it she right. She knows her it's market. It's not in your face. Yeah. She knows her marketing very yes. well. And she's got actually some exciting changes that are going to happen in the future, which she is extraordinarily excited about to expand this company. You know, uh, Cody came in and bought 51% controlling interest, which was the right thing to do. Kylie and Chris took that company as far as they could. Cody, massive international company, and that's where they're going international with the company, but also in the manufacturing processes and all the type of stuff. Cody's going to have a really big impact on that, and it's good for them. Uh, yeah, Kylie's got just a great eye. When she came out with the first one, the little the lip kits, yeah, she knew what the market needed. She came out; it was unique, it was different, and boy, did it sell. Who is your favorite kid? you had to pick it yeah i had six biological four step a lot of kids yes it's a lot of children 18 grandchildren holy shit yeah that's what i said it's growing right now nobody's pregnant that's unusual maybe someone is pregnant <clears throat> it's maybe, unusual when you have true children, maybe you yes. don't know yeah. <laughs> you never um, know <laughs> the kids it's kind of just which one's on my good side it depends on the day it depends on the day yeah, today who's your favorite Today's who's my friend? Brandon keeps calling. He's uh, that's his second phone call. That's pretty good. That's better than most. But all my kids, I, I'm just very blessed. All my kids are great, and they've all grown up to have their own 
lives. Which is incredible. That's, that's what, all you can that's want. That's what you do as a parent. Now, sometimes it gets a little tough when you're sitting at the house Friday night and maybe Sophia's gone or whatever, and you're sitting there going, wait a second, I got 10 kids, I've got 18 grandchildren, I'm sitting here all by myself. This Nobody's called, you're looking at your phone, and shouldn't somebody be calling me, you know? What, they all have their own lives? Yeah, so you kind of run it. Every parent deals with that. It's nothing new. Nothing Last question. New. I'm going to go serious on you for before you go, because I think it's important to ask, like, as a parent, as somebody who successfully transitioned, if there's young people thinking of transitioning and families trying to have that conversation, how do you suggest they start? Are there conversations you wish you could have had when you were younger? Like, what is the best way? Because I think you, I think you can help a lot of people by answering yeah. that. Yeah. No, I I don't have any regrets. I, I was Frank Sinatra would say, "I did it my way." Yeah. And everybody does it their way, and that's what I would suggest. If you are suffering with these issues, first of all, get some help. Outside of the family structure or therapy, whatever it may be, somebody to talk to, to help you guide through this. It is not easy for parents and all that stuff to go through. It's better today, certainly, than it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, I remember one reporter asked me, well, we know when it comes to this, uh, what if Kendall came up to you and said she was going to transition into a guy? And I went, huh? My little Kendall, my gorgeous little girl. And I go, whoa, it kind of it kind of personalized it for me on my side. So you kind of get from that standpoint. My my theory was always never just never try to hurt anybody. But in the bottom line is you got to do what's right for you. And to do it in a way that you're trying not to burn any bridges, all you say there still may be some bridges that are going to be burnt because of something like this. But just try to be a loving, good person. Love your parents. For parents or kids who are dealing with this issue, especially young kids, provide a loving home for them. The most important thing. They need to know if they're going to go out into the world and get criticized and be in school and get bullied and stuff, they have to know when they come home, it's a safe place. It's a loving place. Kids need that. And yeah, it's do it when it's right. On the other end, if you do, like in my case, honestly, I just wake up in the morning and just be myself all day. And that's a wonderful thing to be. Society today can accept it. It's not easy. A lot of people won't. But they, they're accepting of it. We have a lot of millennials listening. Can you leave our audience with a book, a podcast, a resource that's brought you a lot of value? Anything that you think is like if someone wants to execute or be a hustler, is there anything that you've read? that Or just feel good. Ooh, I should already be a hustler. Listen to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. Mm, yes. Listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. um, wear your sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. Wear your sunscreen. Listen to this podcast every day. Um, every day. Yeah. No. Um, just be yourself. That's very be, good advice. Be motivated. I remember, okay, we're trying not to get into this too heavy. What's the secret to life? Everybody always asks that question. Basically, that's what it is. What's the secret to life? Do you ever remember the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal? Remember? Sure. He's on, he's a New Yorker, wants to get out of New York, trying to find himself, goes on this cattle drive out in Colorado sitting around the campfire, just him and Curly, the wise old cowboy played by Jack Palance. So Billy Crystal says, 
What's the secret to life to this wise old cowboy? And the cowboy looks over at him and says, one thing. And then kind of moves on with the conversation. A minute later, two minutes later, Billy Crystal looks back at him because what's the one thing? And he goes, that's for you to find out. Uh, that is, to me, the most important thing in life is what is that one thing that when you wake up in the morning, you just cannot wait for the day to start. Too many people wander through life. They never find their one thing. I was fortunate at a very young age. I found sports and that was my one thing that was so important. And because of that, I went out and I competed and I grew as a human being and I built a life through that. And, but everybody has that. Everybody has something and it doesn't have to be sports. It's not this, it can be anything. It can be learning how to play the piano. I mean, who knows? You might be just this great pianist. You may be a great uh, business person. You may be, be a dyslexic kid, but you know what? In your head, you've got great stories that want to come out. Maybe it goes out this way and comes out onto a piece of paper instead of you reading it. You just don't know. So your job as a person is to find that one thing in life. Because when you do it and you know it's the right thing, because when you wake up in the morning, you're excited about the day. You can't wait for the day to start because I got so many things to do. Business-wise, whatever it is, that's for you to find out. Well, I can see why you had such a successful speaking career. Because I'm all fired up now. I'm all no, jazzed up. Find your one thing. Well, you guys found this. I mean, this is, you know, it's motivating, you know? They say a compelling person has strength and warmth. Mm -hmm. You have both. Thank you for coming on. You oh, are it's my pleasure. incredibly compelling. You can come back anytime. Anytime. I have 800,000 more questions. Oh, boy, We only got is. through the first hundred. Yeah. And until then. I know you're going to go back and read the book and start underlining it and, you know, put a yellow stuff on fine. it. Fine. Yeah, okay, I, I got to talk to... I got to talk to Caitlin about this one. Yeah. I will read that book again. Tell us where they can find your book, The Sunscreen. You, yeah. I'm sure everyone already follows you, but just pimp uh, yourself Yeah, first out. of all, yeah, My Lumisol, if you're really, if you're interested with The Sunscreen, it's, uh, you know, mylumisol.com. We're all over social media. We're all over. In fact, we're on TikTok. I did a dance on TikTok yesterday. Oh, I'm going to go watch that. Yes, uh, it's on the Lumisol page okay. on TikTok. Yes. Yeah, we do everything to get images and that stuff out there. MyLumisol.com, you can find it there. Great. We got more products coming out in the future. Great sunscreen. Yeah, I got my YouTube channel that's out there. I'm having a lot of fun with that. All kinds of crazy stuff that I do on there. But yeah, I'm just kind of out there. Yeah, the book is at uh, Amazon on The Secrets of My Life by Caitlyn Jenner. It's a great read, as you know. So good. Yeah. And at Caitlyn Jenner on Instagram, Sophia That's is right. coming on. Let us know any questions that you have for her on my latest Instagram. Thank you for taking the time. That was my pleasure. Thank you so fun much. Coming, uh, fun coming. Dude, no kids yet? One. Kids, one. Oh, you've got one? Zaza. 10 months. 10 months. Oh my God, girl, you're looking good. Oh, thanks. I still got a long way to go. Was it a struggle coming back? Oh, like, That's a whole nother show. I don't show. know how the fuck Chris did six. Yeah, oh, I, I, same thing. Yeah, I oh know. My it's, it's tough. God. For any guy witnessing that, you you have a whole different appreciation for women after that. Whole oh, wait, three, 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 like, three months mm. postpartum and this motherfucker goes, what's wrong <laughs> with you? Well, I had to figure it out. You know, yeah, I, I, I hadn't gone through it before. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know the changes that yeah, were taking I'm place. I'm making him pay. Thank you for mm. coming on at my Lumisol. All right, go I'm back. I'm going to go use my sunscreen. Go back and make another little kid. Oh, okay, God. You need to get yeah. 10. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we have some work to do. Oh. 
we are giving away a bottle of Caitlin and Sophia's new company called Lumisol. So this is a vegan, cruelty-free, water-resistant, pre- and post-makeup application sunscreen, okay? It's good for all skin tones. All you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram, at The Skinny Confidential, and follow my Lumisol. That's M-Y-L-U-M-A-S-O-L. Um, they have some great content about sunscreen on there. And obviously, make sure you've rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. It takes two seconds. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by Ritual. You guys know I'm a human guinea pig and I'm still here taking Ritual and loving it, okay? It's filled with iron, vitamin E, magnesium, folate, and omega-3, kind of everything. It's made in the USA without synthetic fillers. 95% of women do not get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis, so Ritual created a smarter vitamin with the nine essential ingredients women lack most. Go to ritual.com slash skinny today to choose clean ingredients backed by science. Sign up now at ritual.com slash skinny.